you really can. That's really true. And I just, I want, I want people to know that. I want people to, to look at uh, me and I guess they think I want that. That's what I want to give them that lesson to have them push themselves because it's the things I've gotten to see, like you said, the, the hallucinations or the, the javelina on the road at, you know, five o'clock in the morning, or I want people to experience that because it's so cool. Um, I just want people to see that there, you can do it. You know, you just, um, it's not, it's not as hard as the number sounds, you know, it sounds way bigger than, than what it really is when you break it down. That, my friend, was Pam Reed, and this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. Hey everyone, hope you're all well. My name's Robbie Marsh and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. Firstly, I'm going to have to apologize for not putting out much content over the last couple of months. I've been investing my time in something super cool, so keep your eye out. What a guest we have with us this week, a pioneer in the world of ultra running and author of one of the most inspiring books out there, The Extra Mile. Pam Reed, the first female to be the overall winner of the Bab Water in 2002 and again in 2003, pushing Dean Karnazes into second place. First person to run over 300 miles without sleep. You heard it, folks. We thought it couldn't be done. Everybody's been watching the backyard, but Pam Reed had ticked that box years ago. Previous USA 24-hour track record holder. Six-day USA record holder, knocking out 490 miles. But her most impressive statistic in my mind, Pam finished the Western State, Hard Rock and Bad Water all within four weeks of each other in 2015. She is scheduled to run her 99th 100 miler last month. By the time this goes out, I'm sure she will have run her 100th 100 mile race, which is a cool start to hit. But I'm sure there's no way that Pam will stop there. We had a great laugh recording this episode. So many obstacles we had to overcome, not to mention not press and record on the mic. But like all good ultra events, we managed to knock out the problems and just about make it over that finish line. Before we start, I'd just like to give a shout out to my new venture, More Mountain Adventures. If you're lucky enough to live in Ireland, then check out our Facebook page where we offer a wide variety of hikes to suit all abilities. Really looking forward to the wild camping expeditions and two-day guided hikes where we provide top-of-the-range camping equipment such as North Face and Nordisk Mountain Tents. It's going to be an epic year in the hills, so if you're interested, check out our Facebook page at More Mountain Adventures. We are already over 50% booked for the 2021 season, so make sure you don't miss out. You've waited long enough, so without further delay, I give you Pam Reed. And my son was really, my last son was really young. He might have been two. And I come in and I drink the answer and I throw it all up right in front of him. And he goes, mom, can we go home now? And I said, I have 50 miles to go. And I said, no, I got to finish this. I will see you in 10 miles. <laughs> so um, I finished the race and I won the race. However, I just, I called Chuck and I said, there's no way there's, it was 104. I'm not going to be able to do 120 something. He goes, just show up at, just show up at, um, in Las Vegas and, you'll we'll, we'll I'll do everything else so he did everything when we when I got to Vegas we went to Costco he bought all the food we got in the van we went to you know we went to Death Valley and that that day um I got to start at 6 a.m and they have three starts in Badwater and back in the day it was 6 a.m 8 a.m and 10 a.m at 6 a.m I had passed all the people in my in my group. Right. And so from mile 40 on, 
there was nobody with us. We were all by ourselves. But the key was, it goes back to the spray system I talked about. So Chuck had bought, you know, those Ace Hardware things that you pump. The, yeah. the water goes in, you pump it, and then you spray. Well, he came up with, um, we're going to stop every three quarters of a mile. From z- from So from zero to 17, you were only, back then, you were allowed one van and four people. So four people came from the six-person crew um, for the first 17 miles, and they worked, they would line up, I would run by, and one would hand me Ensure, the next would ha- hand me water, and the next would spray me, and then I would keep going. And they did that for 17 miles. And from 17 miles on, somebody was allowed to be with me, and then they would squirt, spray me down constantly. So we are watching, um, you know, the other 30 people with us for the 6 a.m. start, you know, they wouldn't get crewed for every two miles or two and a half, Mm. and they were dying. Do you find that was helping you to break it down? So you were only going three quarters of a mile, so all you had to do was think about, I just need to make it to the next three quarters of a mile. I I think it was more that um, I I just, I ran through the whole time. I wasn't walking when they were spraying me down or even feeding me. But no, I think it's that you need that much. I think you, in order to be really successful at Badwater, the more attention that your your body gets cooled, the better. Because, you know, and that, I don't know, it was 130 degrees or 128 or whatever. And what happens is, you know, the ice um, on in your head or on your neck, it melts in three minutes. So it's gone, you know, so... I, I really believe that that's what saved us. And, and, you know, we just, we were so far ahead. So during that race at about mile hundred, um, the race director came up on a motorcycle and he's, he's like, you know, Pam, you're going to win this whole thing if you keep going the way you're going. And I said, no way, you know, people started at eight and 10 and, you know, so they, they could still win. And they were that far back, like seven hours behind us. Um, and so the first, the closest guy was still five mi- five hours behind my time, yeah. and the and the woman was ten hours. And it was all it wasn't because I'm such a great runner. It was because, um, well, a I was able to handle the heat with the cooling, but it was the cooling, right? I mean, they were taking care of me. It, yeah. It's it's decadent how much, and it was it was part year, of it. It was part of it, right? <laughs> you it, know, it, it was a big. It was a big part. My feeling is you yeah. couldn't have uh, sprayed me with water, and I would, <laughs> I would have actually won that race. Like, but that was quite groundbreaking, though, wasn't it? Like, because we talk about this day and age. You know, I always talk on the podcast, um, especially when I've got one of the great female athletes on. You know, how much it's starting to tip slightly. You know, there's more and more. We got yeah. likes of Courtney Dewater, Nikki Spinks, Jasmine Paris, all these great runners who are inspirational to all of the other athletes coming behind them but you were sort of groundbreaking back then a bit of a pioneer you know on a race of like 135 miles i think bad water is it starts mm-hmm. 282 feet i believe on the sea level that's why it's so warm um, and <clears throat> going through death valley and all those crazy names that make you just not want to do the race yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you know even at night time it's like 100 degrees or something or 90 degrees right. at night time um, I'm sure it's beautiful as well. Like, but to beat the men, and that was in 2002. 
you know, and all these books were out there and they're all like sort of male dominated books and ultra running. And I talked about the women's Olympics earlier. Um, what, you know, people don't realize back then people, well, 1980s, you know, even as early as that, people didn't think women were able to run marathons. They were too weak. <laughs> That's what they believed. Yeah. So, you know, women's people don't realize that women's uh, marathons only joined the Olympics in 1984, I believe it was. So a real pioneer in the sport, like when you look at that and people didn't even know who you were, really. Do you know what I mean? You weren't, you weren't this big, huge running celebrity. If there was a, such a thing back then. Um, like, was it a, a big surprise to you then to win that race? Oh, it was, yeah, it, it was, it was actually, you know, totally life changing in many ways because I, I had, when I finished, I had this overwhelming sense of peace and, um, it was such a cool feeling because I, you know, since then I, what I've learned about myself, which is, you know, not the greatest thing is that nothing seems to be kind of good enough, you know, like, and it was good enough at that point, at that moment for a couple days, it lasted, but you know, we're so, or I, I, I can only speak for myself. I'm really hard on myself. I have really high expectations of, of what things should look like. And, and I think, um, one thing is, um, I'm just, I'm blessed with energy. Like I, I, and I guess that's unusual, but that's, I, that's all I know, you know, and I'm, I don't get tired very often. It's, it's kind of interesting. I, I mean, and I'm, I, when I look at my, um, my family, that's how my family, you know, my mother worked, 12 to 14 hours a day. She was a nurse and then she owned nursing homes. My dad was a minor. Um, and they just would go, 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 go. And that's what I do. And my sister, my sister is like huge on cleaning and, um, but she, her and I talk very often and, um, you know, both of us, I'm going to be 60 in February. She's 63. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's very normal that we just, it's a, you go all day long and, and I go, and now, because I mean, I love, I love what I do, but I, I work out every day, three to five hours, every single day. I mean, whether it's like yoga, running, swimming, biking, more running. So, um, it's yeah, strange it's, though, isn't it? Like it's, you remind me a bit of, um, somebody I had on the podcast before Liz McColgan. I don't know if you know that name. Um, she won the London Marathon and sh she held uh, the record on the 10K. And you're almost standing back. There's so much energy. You can feel it coming through the screen, you know, and it's like, <laughs> and like, have you ever had a period, you know, of a couple of months where you've done nothing? Oh, no. Ne I mean, never, never. Um, like I, I, I have had three of my own children and, um, you know, I, I, I didn't take even a week off and I had C-sections and my last C-section, I, um, ended, I, he, I literally had a C-section and right when I got out of the hospital, which was two days later, I put him in the jogging stroller and people are like, how did you do that? And you know, you can kind of lean on the jogging stroller, but I, part of me was, had the mentality that I have to keep going. Right. And I can't I can't stop too long because especially 100 mile runs, I think I, I was afraid that I would never do another one. So I couldn't I never wanted to let myself 
that do have that much time in between them. And, but in the beginning, you know, I wasn't doing very many, but this year alone in this pandemic, I've done, I'm going on number eight. Okay. So tell me about 2003, then we have to dive into that 2003 bad water. Um, what an epic year there are. I've seen the YouTube videos of that and you've got Dean Karnazes of all people chasing you down and there's no way that he wants to get beat. You know, we all know Dean and Mr. Celebrity, like Mr. Pride. And he definitely doesn't want to get beat by a woman. That's maybe a bit unfair on Dean, to be fair. Like, um, so I might have to take that back. But tell me about that then, that that part when you know you're ahead of Dean, he's tracking you down. Because you, you have to race for that win, don't you? Oh, my gosh. Well, and I always thought of myself as not a racer. Like I always thought I had to have, cause it's a lot of races that I've won is I've been way ahead. Like, I mean the year before. And so I won, I won by so much the year before that I called my mentor who was the six year old friend and I called him and um, I said, will you be in my crew? And he goes, sure. His name was Benny. And so he comes on my crew and we start the race, but here's the beginning of the race was so funny. And for the life of me, I cannot remember the guy's name, but there was a guy and we were, we were trying to see who was going to be in the race, you know, for the, this was the second year, 2003. So we noticed Dean Carnazes and I've, I had heard about him, but I didn't know much. And my husband's like, Oh, I think he's a really pretty good runner. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And, um, but then we heard about this guy from New York. He was, uh, like a triple Ironman he had done, but the furthest he'd ever run was 72 miles. So, um, different year. Here we are, 2003. We're starting at 10 a.m. now. And so I, there were a lot of questions. First of all, people thought I cheated um, in, two, in 2002, and they thought it was, or it was just the luck of the draw. You One know, hit I just wonder. got lucky. One yes. hit wonder. So mm. we get to the starting line, and off we go at 10 o'clock. And, and so what happened is, those two, the, the, those two went out ahead. So, and I'm in third in the group of, there's just, you know, us three out of the 30 and we're, we're leading. So we get to mile 17 and it's, it's oh Chris, his name was Chris Berglund, I think. Chris Berglund, Dean and me. And, um, and I was apologizing to Benny. I'm like, Oh, I'm so sorry, Benny. I made you come out here and I'm in third and, you know, and here, forget the women. I wasn't, I was just thinking of third overall, you know, and I'm like, well, I'm going to get third overall. And I guess I'm going to take first in the women's that will be good enough. He goes, don't worry about it. Just run, just run. So what happens is we get to mile 40 and, and, you know, again, we started at 10. So this year we passed everybody, all three of us passed everybody by mile 40. So we're, we do our first climb and there's nobody behind us. So we've passed, you know, they started four hours before us and us three have passed them. So we get halfway up the first climb and Dean is throwing up on the side of the road. And so I run on by him and I'm like, okay, there's one. Now I'm in second. That's good. I'm going to take second. That's just, I, I was telling my crew, I'm going to take second, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. We're doing good, feeling good. And then, um, did he say anything so, to you when you passed? 
I, I, you know, I don't remember. He was just, he was hurting bad and he looked terrible. And I thought, okay, well, he is completely done. And yeah, cause you have to understand, so you have to understand the scenario, you know, it's like 120 odd degrees. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's hot. If yeah. Your stomach can easily go. I mean, you're suffering in that, those conditions. Oh, you are suffering. Yes. Yeah. You're and in, in, in that section, it feels like, um, one of the women, who used to do it a lot, Monica Schultz, she called it the the blow dryer. So you go up this hill and it feels like you have a major blow dryer just blowing on you. It's And <laughs> I think that year, I thought it was like, I thought it was 130, but somebody said maybe not, maybe 129 or, but it was stupid <laughs> hot. It was, it was sickening. Um, so we get up, you know, I, I climb up the hill. The other thing that happened on that year was, so before that, I don't know, um, the guy from runner's world. Oh my gosh. The way back that did, um, Oh my, I'm, I'll think of his name, but he did a video on this and he talked cause when he, he would talk, he would work for runner's world and Bart Yasso and he would have a video and he would always talk cause he had done bad water way back. And he said, yeah, it got so hot that the veins would come out of my legs. So I, I kept asking, are my veins on my legs? Are my veins sticking out in my legs? And the crew's like, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. So so anyway, fast forward, we get to that same 100 mile mark that the year before Chris, the, the race director came up to me. And all of a sudden we see Chris Berglund. And he is, you can, I see him ahead of me and I just start running faster and faster. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's Chris. And I shook his hand. And there's a really cool picture of this that I shook his hand. And, um, and he, when I touched his hand, he was so hot and it was scary. Like I said to my crew, you guys have to help him because he was, it was bad. I mean, I, and so he went down right after that. He went back into his car and he sat in his car for like eight hours. Um, and so I kept running and I'm like mm. going as I was running really hard now. I'm like, okay, I, this, I got this. I, and I'm calling my husband on the phone cause he wasn't there. I'm like, you know, I'm in first again. I can't believe it. It's doing great. And the next second, um, the race director comes up to me again and says, you know, Dean is 20 minutes behind. I'm like, what? You're kidding me. And I just pushed so hard. I have never, you know, we still had like 30 miles to go. And I'm, and the whole time I'm asking my crew about the math, how fast does he have to run? Is it going to, you know, is this going to be okay? And um, it, anyway, so we just kept going and going and going. And then we start climbing. And I said, how fast does he have to run up Whitney? And they said, he'll have to do six minute miles. And I kept saying, no way, he can't do six minutes. Nobody can do six minute miles up Whitney, can you? And, I, you know, I don't know. And, but I, I, it's, I it's did it. It's pretty steep, isn't it? It's like 6,000 feet halfway oh, up Mount really Whitney. Oh, it's really steep. Yeah. And you know Five what? 6,000 feet. Um, I've done this thing. I've, I have had 11 finishes. And there, that time I tried to run up it and one other time. But it, it's, it's horrendous. You're walking. It's so, and it gets steeper and steeper and steeper. And then at the end, it kind of flattens a little and then it gets steep again. It's like, oh, it's, it's, it's crazy hard. Yeah. So when did you feel content then when you crossed, when you could see the line or did you know just before that? Um, not till I cross, you know, and in, in a race like Badwater, you, yeah. you cannot take anything for granted. You just don't know. It's you, it, it's so, um, it's so difficult and 
going, you just don't know because I, I, you know, the, the woman that I told you about the, um, the Russian woman that had set the record when uh, Chuck said to me, you'll, you, you know, you should do this race, but you'll never break the record. Well, I broke her record by two, two hours the first year. But the story was that she got to Lone Pine and she was beating the, the men the, and it was a Russian man and they made her stop. And I don't know if that's true or not, but so she did not win that year. She won the woman's, but she stopped. And um, so I didn't know if she stopped because they told her or she got sick. I have no idea. I don't mm. know what the real truth was, but yeah. Do you find that the race like Badwater then has helped you navigate through your other hundred milers then? Because it's so deep and dark and so difficult and your mind, you know, it's like when you're doing your first marathon for people to relate to, you know, or sorry, when you do your first half a marathon, people can relate to, which is really, really tough. And then you do a marathon and then the half marathon becomes easy because it's yeah. twice, twice as hard. Like, um, do you find, <laughs> I, I'm going to try. I'm, I'm going to try to, I'm going to move these things. I'm going to walk into another room and see if that, that helps us. Um, yeah, that I must probably would. Keep, yeah. Yeah. Let's move because he, they're going to be in our backyard. It's going to be really loud. Um, so I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to spend oh loads gosh. of time with Pam Reed. It's good. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're going to walk into another room, but that hopefully it's better. Um, you know, what I found is okay this is better um so you asked me about like doing something like a bad water well do you think that's that set you up for all the other 100 mile races that came after that then because it was so tough that even though those races are are difficult you know you you created a good benchmark there to start with well, definitely i i accept you know and i what i started doing i don't know four or five years ago I started doing 135 mile runs where I pull a sled. Um, have you heard of those? <laughs> and and it's called Arrowhead. And there's one. You, there's the Iditarod in Alaska. I was about Arrowhead. to say the Iditarod. So we've had a few people yes. on the podcast actually have done the the foot race on yes. that. Yeah. Right. So I've done Arrowhead, and I actually have won it a couple times. And I have to tell you. I think that's harder than Badwater. Why? It's, what What are you doing? Are you, have you been in this pursuit to find your limits? What is it? Why, yeah, why did I, you select that? I selected it because I live in Jackson, Wyoming, and it's freezing cold. And I wanted to know, um, I wanted to have something to train for so I wouldn't complain about how cold it is. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Because, you know, I grew up in the UP of Michigan. And so it was really cold. I hated it. So then I moved to Arizona. And then my husband's like, let's move to Wyoming. And, and I said, are you kidding? I don't want to live in Wyoming. It's so cold. And so it, it's just really difficult, you know, where, because um, I like warm. I don't really like cold, even though I do enjoy the snow. So it's like a, it's kind of a, weird thing but that's why that's why i did it and then and so this past year i did arrowhead 135 and i was i was losing by i losing the woman's race by five hours at at halfway through and so i came to the next aid station which is like 25 miles to go and she she'd gotten sick and she was still three hours ahead of me. And, and she was like on record pace. So I said, oh, well, I'm going to, um, you know, I'll get second. And, and anyway, I kept going and I finished the race and I asked the 
the I'm like, what did she set the record by? And she hadn't finished. So she got sick the last 25 and she bivied, which means, you know, getting in a sleeping bag in the snow. And she sat there for five hours and I, I won. So it was, it, it's, it's really challenging. You're out there mm-hmm. all by yourself. It's negative five degrees, um, completely different from bad water. Um, it's a great take. It's a great takeaway though, because, you know, I was saying to a friend the other day, I haven't raced all year, really. Like I've done 152 mile training run. That was it. But I said to him, you know, to prepare for next year, I need to get in training. You need to get yourself into that situation yes. that you're suffering. Yes. You know, it's one of the secrets of ultra running, really. You know, you have to be prepared because we can all drift up to that point. You know, we're all fit enough to get to that point where you start suffering. But it's the suffering that is, I don't want to call it the gift, um, but that's where the strength is, really. You know, it's that mental right. strength of learning how to get through that. And you're not going to do that unless you find yourself in that situation. So you have to, you know, what I've said is, you know, even it might be simple. We talked earlier on, you just got a Peloton, you know, I've got a Watt bike, mm-hmm. getting on the Watt bike and cycling until you can't cycle anymore and then keep going for 30 minutes. You know, it's th- that yes. type of mindset of trying to get into that and being able to push through that and know and teach your body and your mind that you actually can go further because you can, there's absolutely no doubt about it. It's amazing. And, and you're right. You're right. And that's probably why. So I signed up for Arrowhead next year for 2021 and also the drift, which I did the drift, which is, it's only an hour from my house, which is really cool because that's another winter run. But you know, these winter runs, the problem is it's a major hassle. You know, you gotta, you've got to travel with a, a sled and you have to have a negative 30 sleeping bag and a stove and blah, 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 blah. And, um, and some people have it down on, on packing and I don't, I definitely don't. So my sled weighs about 25 pounds. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's really cool. It, and like you said, it's, I, I remember Dean used to say, I love pain. I love pain. And I'm like, nobody loves pain. And maybe he, what he meant by is what you said, the, mm. the only way you're going to get, to that across it is you have to go through it right you have to and the more you go through it the more you know you can go through it yeah <laughs> so I, I get i get cool what he's saying it. there you know when he's saying that he loves pain like we don't love it at that moment when you're in it nobody <laughs> exactly. loves that like no you know, but <laughs> when you finish when you cross that finish line and you've overcome those moments then you feel yes. absolutely fantastic you know you look back and you think to yourself how did I get through that? You know, I was on my knees and you feel rushed with adrenaline because of that. You know, it's an amazing, and that the deeper you go, the more rewarding it is. Well, it's, it's, you know, um, afterwards, that is afterwards. That is always (laughs) afterwards. But, but you know, what's funny is like, I told you, I just did this drift and it was, it was only a hundred miles. It took me as long to do the drift as it did to do arrowhead and the problem what happened in the drift is we had every kind of weather you could have like the big start of the race it was negative five degrees that's fahrenheit and um which seems cold but it was nice and crisp and hard and the track was fast you know so for 30 miles we we're just cruising along and then all of a sudden we had to 
the next 30 miles you had to climb, which then it got really difficult. And then we got to like, we had to climb up to 9,800 feet and my stomach, sometimes I get altitude sickness. So I wasn't feeling good. So I sat down for like an hour and a half in a, in a hut and I was going to drop. And then some lady came and I said, Oh, I'll just walk out with you. Let's just start going. So I went out, then it started snowing. And in an hour we got a foot and a half of snow. And it was just dumping really fast. And then you couldn't see the track. And I, and so snowmobiles would have to come by and tell us, yeah, this is the right way. I thought I was lost. And then it was 70 mile an hour winds. It was, it was nuts. It was just, it, you go through all of these different things and you think, I'm not going to make it through this. You, you, but you just keep, and in my book, I said this, and it's so true. And I've seen this written in many things. It just says, keep putting one foot in front of the other. And you just, and as long as you keep moving, and this is really true when you're in cold weather, is uh, um, you have to keep moving because you can't just stop. You're going to freeze. So you got to keep moving. And mm-hmm. when you keep moving, you know, you're, you keep warmer. And yeah. So. You, you've got one of them annoying runs. I call them the annoying run. This really <laughs> fast cadence, slow. Yeah. And like when I done the first few ultra runs, you know, they're about 100K and you're walking. And you meet mm-hmm. one of these people that come alongside you and they don't even look yeah. like they're running. And you look yeah. up a minute later and they're like way over the hill. And you're like, is that like, if I was going that pace, I could be on top of that hill now. So you don't yeah. have to be like running that fast. But if you're turning over and you're, you keep that turnover and you don't, you don't go to a, a walk, you know, on those flats, <laughs> it's okay going on right. the ups. It's surprising how far ahead you get. It is. And you know, what's funny is, is how you say that, because it's kind of similar in biking. It was like that, where actually it's the opposite. I think you, I've seen people spinning, spinning, spinning. And, you know, so it's opposite in biking, I guess. But yeah, when, when I'm, I just do my little thing and that's what's helped me in Badwater. I just do my little and people are walking. And that's what I think what I find in in ultra running, what happens is, you know, you start walking and you really are walking and you just keep walking, you know, where if you can keep up just a little pretend run, it's way better than just walking, you know, and because yeah. you just got kind of mm. stuck in that walk where Stop you, feeling sorry for yourself and you know, you can push on through a walk, like, you know, oh, I can do a walk. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, but that little person comes past you and boom. They're doing yeah. a, a pretend run, as you called it there. And like a minute you look up and you're like, how are they so far ahead? Am I really going I that know. slow? I know. I Do you know, ever get, um, like a couple of times, and we talked about the pain there. A couple of times I was stripped that bare. You know, I mean, I hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And I found it absolutely a beautiful place. You know, I was stripped so down that I had no thoughts left, only but moving forward. You know, that one step. And mm-hmm. it was quite, quite zen, for a better word. You know, I was so gone, but all I knew yeah. what to do was move forward. And that was a very, I found that a very peaceful place to be. Wow, that's interesting. I don't know if I've been, I don't know if I've been there. You know, like, it, you almost sound like I've been there where I've been um, running and you feel, I feel that when I'm running, I just feel lost in Zen. Yeah. But but you you say that it was like you were so ha- haven't been able to eat for the last six hours. You know, can hardly move forward. Yeah. 
but I knew that the only thing I had to do in my li- in my life that moment in time was just move forward and get to the finish line as whatever time it's going to take. But I mean, I didn't even think that. All I had to think about was that one step. Right. You know, so right. it took all of the clutter away. You know. See, that sounds like what you really want to get into, right? And I, yeah. I sometimes when I have a pro- difficult sleeping, I try to do that. I try to just like close my mind and just say, okay, you're going to go to sleep now, <laughs> you know, or just, or the same thing in, in running, like you just want to enjoy. I see you're not even, enjoy- you're, you're in this other, you're in yeah, a, it wasn't, another world. It wasn't that I made myself go into that, you know, no. I didn't have that gift yeah. that I could be really present in the moment because I suppose that's yeah. what we're talking about. This was just the depth of despair, you know, I've gone past the point of having to be able to pull out. It, it was no longer an option, <laughs> you know, I had to keep moving that's forward. That's just amazing. Yeah, yeah, I've not, I, I have not experienced that. I, maybe someday, hopefully. I, I don't know that I want to have to go down that <laughs> yeah. to get that. Well, I don't know. Out. I don't. Yeah. Well, that was a that was a fueling issue twice. Sort of brought me into that yeah. place. But it was there is something in that that you know I have podcasts. A few people like Carl Meltzer, for example, um, speak out. You know, and how present they stay in the moment. Or Johann Steen. I think it's a very beautiful thing how they can, you know, just block things out. Yes. And just because mm-hmm. what you're what you're learning to do is adapt to that what's happening to you in that moment in time, isn't it? And accept right. it first. You really have to accept yes. what's going on. If you start resisting it, it just puts a spotlight on it and amplifies it, and it becomes this big ugly monster. And the more you resist it, the bigger that gets. And but if you accept it um for what it is and then just adapt to what's going on whether it's slow down whether it's walk whether it's eat something you know it's it's just accepting that and adapting to what's happening that moment in time yeah no you're right exactly well you know what this is this probably sounds morbid but um (laughs) i don't know how many years ago my friend's mother um was in hospice and she was this tiny little lady and just a great lady. And um, they, so she was on hospice and, and they, they didn't, you know, she didn't get water, food, anything. And she was this small little person and she lasted 10 days. And I realized she's just laying there and then she passed away. But what that showed me is like, we think, I can't tell you how many people have said to me, like what you said, I couldn't eat for six hours. I couldn't do this. And and you still are able to finish. So that's what I tell people. It's like, you'll be amazed what your body can do. You can do it. I mean, obviously you don't want to put yourself in some horrible. Yeah. You want to avoid it as much as possible. Let's make that clear. You know, it's not about, well, you do have to embrace the suffering when it comes, but that's not what it's about. It's about avoiding that and learning how to navigate past that. Exactly. But, but, you know, part of ultra running is, is learning, right? And every time, you know, and failing is really the best way to learn. So when you did that, you, you learned, but you were able, you also got to get to that point and you'd say, I can get through this, you know, and, and eventually your body turns around and you can, you know, you, most of the time what I've seen is I can start drinking and eating again. It's just slowly, you know, and, um, and it sometimes it's when the light comes up and, you know, in, in the race I did about a month ago, um, I am tough. I usually what happens the next day, 
I feel, you know, it's almost like you haven't run. That's well, that, that was not happening. <laughs> it, I was, I was so exhausted. I was just tired the whole next day, which was just horrible. Cause normally that doesn't happen. You know, the sun comes up and you feel like, Hey, yay, I haven't run. Let's go. Let's keep going. But it was just, it was just a, a really tough, tough run. And yeah, you start and doubting I, yourself and you're like, why am I not feeling good now? The sun's up yes, again. <laughs> yes, I know. I was, I couldn't. And it was, you know, lots of climbing, lots of elevation. Um, so that was probably part of it. It was just a, a, a really difficult run. Um, so. my, my mom said, my mom actually said something to me yesterday, which was um, what she said was that because I had two or three different issues hit me <laughs> in sequence. And she goes, look, son, that's life. She goes, you have to learn how to love the problem that you're in. Yeah. I went, oh. Wow. Actually, that was... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you can take that across anywhere. So when you're struggling in the race, you know, if you learn to embrace that and you can sort of learn to love that because what she says is you don't know how bad the next problem is going to be or how good it is. So just try right. and learn, just try and learn the pro uh, love the problem that you're in. Well, and, you know, unfortunately, I had to learn a, a really a horrible lesson this summer. My my nephew um, so my only sister's son, um, was killed at his job and he's 34 years old. He's a linesman and he was, um, and the sad, he's, he's a lot like me, like we're both ADHD and hyper and tons and tons of energy and he got electrocuted, you know, and it was a complete accident and he has twin baby boys. But I mean, aren't I so blessed that I get mm. to worry about, mm how sick I am at mile 80. I mean, it's nothing mm -hmm. compared to my sister dealing with that. So I'm so I'm, we're all that we're able to do this and go. And now with COVID that I'm able to go to a real race. I, I just, so I have to keep it's all about perspective, myself. isn't it? It's all about perspective. Totally. You know what I mean? we, only, we think we've got big worries until we see a, somebody <laughs> struggling with a worry and you're like, okay, so, yeah. I, so I couldn't yeah. eat at mile 30. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? like, I, yeah, it's not right. the end it's not the end of the world end of the world right. but then it's a good thing to bring in is well there's two things you sort of mentioned there one is gratitude and the other one is consequence you know it's two things i like to bring in okay so what's the worst thing that's going to happen here do you know what i mean i'm going to yeah. slow down i'm going to be two hours slower right. okay so that's that's exact and that's for sure for sure because i'll tell you i i, I was doing leadville one time and i went to leadville to win and I was winning till mile 60 until I got sick and I'm laying on the trail. And then what do I do at mile 75? I drop out. And I was like in third place. I mean, that is so ridiculous, you know, and I, I'm mad at myself now for, for that is just ridiculous, you know. And and if I wouldn't have dropped out, I would be at number 99 on Friday. <laughs> so so that's the thing is we we don't um, we 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 have to really evaluate what's going on, you know, and, and sometimes we, we just, we can't see past that one goal. And what I learned in that race is you don't only have one goal, you know, your only goal can't be to win um, it because, you know, it might not be your day and, and the goal should be absolutely to finish, you know, and of course by not killing yourself, but, but finish. And, and if it's, if it's at the cutoff, it's at the cutoff. And I, I, I remember doing the Hawaiian Ironman and some one of the pros, you know, he was walking and he finished and good for him. 
because a lot of people, especially pros, um, they don't they don't finish because they don't want to. Their excuse is, oh, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to waste any more energy because I'm not going to win. But you know what? You learn a lot, a lot from those struggles. I I just feel like it's so important to to finish. You know, and and again, what you learn from that, you learn so much. You can you learn that first of all the humility because and I know some of some of the really fast runners go, I don't even know how they can be out there for that many hours, you know, and, and 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 it's it's a good lesson to see because, you know, eventually also when you get older and you know, all of those things happen. So I just think, you know, we take we we take a lot of this for granted. A lot of us do. And, um, you know, you just have to, I, I just think it's cool just to cross the line, you know, cross the finish line. And if, if you can, again, there's, there's times, there's times that it's, it's time to give up, you know, and I, I totally, I, I know that, that needs to happen sometimes. How do you find you learn? Because sometimes in my head, you know, I'm like, okay, you dissect, naturally you dissect the race and it doesn't matter how good of a race you've had. You know, you, I'm sure you come first and you could think, well, I could have done that better. I could have done that better because nobody has 100 percent perfect. There's always things you can do better. Right. Um, is that something you find easy? Because I always easy to carry forward because I think to myself, I'm going to learn that. <laughs> so many times I forget and <laughs> make the same mistakes. Right. Like, right. Oh, oh, exactly. Um, yeah. That's like, do you write stuff down or anything like that? You know what? I don't. And it was funny because I was just running with a friend who's going to do this Havelina 100 this weekend. And um, I, I told her, you know, I I know some of these runners have said they write, they have different things, what they're going to do at the aid stations. And they write them down to remind because you do forget. You t- totally forget. And um, I mean, sometimes, sometimes, so I don't forget, I overpack my pack and think I'm just going to have it in my pack. So I don't have to think about it because there's so much to think about, especially when you come into these big aid stations, when there's so much going on. Um, so yeah, but the answer to that question is no, I don't write them down. But what I've found myself doing now is when I'm coming into an aid station, I start thinking about it. And it's almost like I remember that's what I do like in an Ironman. When I'm getting off the bike, I just start thinking, okay, you got to slow down a little. You're going to start running. You're going to put your shoes on. You know, So I go through that mentally and talk to myself. So that's what I do. I'm coming into an aid station. I'm going to, what am I going to do here? Um, what do I need? Uh, what do I need to take out of this age state? What time is it? Because, you know, you people forget clothing. They forget water bottles. I've had, I've had, you know, at one race, actually Moab 240. I had, um, I, we were so, I was so far ahead. Like um, I was in third overall place. And so the aid station people were really bored. <laughs> so they really wanted to help us. So we'd come in, they're like, what can we do? What can we do for you? And I, I, so I handed my water bottles and I said, just, you know, put water in this one, tail ones in this one. And then I, I went out and I put my bottles away and, and probably two miles later, I went to take a drink and it was both of them were tailwinds. So I had no water. And in, and in Moab 240, it's 20 miles apart. They, 
aid station. So, so I had to pretend one of my tailwinds was water. I was pretending like, okay, I'm drinking the water now. Cause I, I, and you know, tailwinds isn't that sweet, but it still was like, what if I get sick out here? I've got 20 miles to go. And I, uh, but so yeah, I kind it's of, it's a key I thing. It's a key, sure, key tip that you, you sort of identified there. And it's that visualization of coming into a fuel stop. Um, because I remember at the start when I started doing ultra runs, like I've seen me set a fuel uh, fuel stop at the halfway point of a hundred k race for thirty five minutes and not even realize. You know, you're sort of drifting around, looking at all the different food, and I re- learned a huge mm-hmm. lesson there. And if you're coming up to a fuel stop, when you can break it down in your head, what you're going to do exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, there's the new format, obviously, the backyard ultra, where you're going to that fuel stop every <laughs> yeah. hour. That's a great tip for that because you've got you're 40 mm-hmm. minutes out on course or whatever time 40 50 minutes you've got plenty of time to think about it so do that thinking then mm-hmm. move in and you just step through that process and then boom you don't forget anything well and you know what what happens is like especially the western states now when people do western states what western state pride which is going to change now with COVID, i'm sure when it happens again but they have somebody on you like you and that's new because i did western states way back where you know it had regular aid stations but when you, when you could last, register <laughs> yeah yeah exactly when i could but but i did it in 2015 and so you come into an aid station and they grab your stuff from you so i would just caution people because again, that's what happened in Moab. Like you, you need, you are responsible for what you're going to get. And I know you have all these people and even the aid station people, they want to help you, but you are the only one that knows what you need. So I would just be really on top of that because, you know, that could be your race because if you leave with the wrong stuff and if it's too hot or you don't have something, either A, you got to turn around or B, you know, suffer. And, um, you know, again, I think, and I'm a race director as well. So we, you have to take responsibility, you know, and, and, and we all do. And, and putting, you know, when you're doing a race, I can't, I've gotten lost and it's always been my fault. It's not, it's not the race's fault. It's my fault, you know? So yeah, 300 you, people went the right way and you went the wrong way. Yeah, See them bloody race directors. They, didn't, they should have put a flag there. I know. Oh my gosh, yes, I know. There's a huge mental aspect to that, isn't it? When you said, you know, getting the right thing. There's a, such a mental dimension to it. So if you go off with Tailwind and both your bottles and you didn't get your water, you know, that's a... <laughs> dun, dun. It gives that little voice in your head a bit of ammunition, doesn't it? So mm-hmm. getting the right things, number one, the right things for the right reason, but um, it just helps settle the mind as well, doesn't it? Right, oh yeah. because in, And that's why, I mean what I said, I just pretended, you know, I've just decided that one of my tailwinds was going to be water and, you know, just to appease it, because I'm not going to sit here and think for 18, 20, 18 more miles, you know, and, and freak about it that I don't have water, you know? Um, so I think, you know, you can have your little, um, I've heard this some, I don't know who somebody was in a podcast. You can have your little pity patter, you know, get upset, give yourself a minute or so, and then move on. You know, because what else are you going to do out there? You don't want to, you know, you're you're here to, quote unquote, enjoy this at some level. You know, it's not always enjoyable, but but when you give yourself the time to look around, 
and at night, um, it's going to be a full moon on Friday. It's going to be so cool, you know. It's going to be a blue moon. It blue moon. I know. So I got to. What does that mean? Does it really look blue? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, so I, I'm going to look up. I hope you haven't. Page. I hope you haven't seen American Werewolf in London. It means don't go off the path. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh no! You know what? We we could have Gila monsters or the other day I was running around here and I don't. Do you know what a javelina? Well, I, I, that's funny. This is called the Javelina 100. But do you know what a javelina is? No. It's a it's a wild pig, like a boar. So, and, and we have them wild all over here. So I was running the other day and the sun was just, it was a little, the sun was almost up and I just see these eyes and it's a javelina. It's right on the side of the road. And, and then I see two of them. Then I see four of them. Then I see a baby and they're looking at me and there were like 15 of them. It was so cool. They are really weird animals. But you experience uh, these things when you're running, don't you? They're, they're pretty yes, u- right? They're pretty unique borrowed moments that it, only, you, exa- that only exactly. you get to experience. I know. And I've, I've had so many cool things like that happen, you know, where, and I, you know, sometimes what I think of in my kids, like I think, oh, I wish my kids were here that they could see this. This is so cool. Or, you know, in Badwater one year, um, we when we got to start at 10 you know in the middle of the night we're climbing up and you look up and the stars are just unbelievable it's so gorgeous because there's no light out there so the stars are just bright 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 and it's it's such a cool thing um it, yeah. sound, it sounds like gratitude is a big element of what gets you through these races i i try because let me tell you i go down the I go down the negative hole. I definitely do. And, um, but, but especially what happened with my nephew and my parents have passed away in the recent year. I just feel like, you know, you do not know when you're not going to be able to do this again. And I need to be grateful and humbled by the fact that my body, I am able to do this because, you know, last year I had two broken bones. Um, so I'm just, you know, I'm healthy and I'm so, so happy that I can go out and do this and, you know, get one more closer to the hundred mile run, which people are like, when I do a hundred hundreds, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm just going to go and do another one, but it it's kind of cool <laughs> to get to the hundred. <laughs> Uh, are so, you going to stop? No, I'm not stopping. No. There's absolutely no way I could answer that one for you. You talked about going down the rabbit hole then, like, because you've done so many things. Like, you was it 491 miles you said you'd done in the yeah. six days? That was a mm-hmm. an American record, wasn't it? In the six day. Yeah, it was unofficial because they didn't have it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you can't. It's a one mile loop, but anyway, yes, it was um, unofficial. You know, you hold the USA 24 hour track record. How many miles was that? 138 I, miles? Yeah, I held it. But now, you know, it's been blown out of the water. But yeah, by, I think you did you have her on your con? Not yet. Camille. Camille. Camille is running on. Um, so so this race, because of COVID, there's a, there's all these different starts. Camille's running on Saturday morning. She I boy, wow. she probably she's probably going to blow. I mean, this race is extremely fast and she's gonna blow it out of the water i bet yeah she's a phenomenal runner like i've been talking to her to get her on the podcast her husband is actually from ireland oh cool yeah she talks about going there and she said there's a really cool spot or something i think i heard her on a podcast talk about that 
So, like, and you've done numerous Ironman, and, like, at the minute you're tracking for 100, 100-mile races, which is phenomenal. And you've talked about some of the hard ones, like Leadville and stuff like that. Like, have you ever found your limit? Um, no, and that's why I want to run across America to try to break the world record, you know. But I, I don't want to wreck myself. You know, when I keep talking about it, I've got a guy, we're still kind of talking about it, but um, I have not. The answer is, you know what, I'm, you know how you, I think you mentioned earlier that, um, you know, to push yourself all the way down. Well, when I first, I think it was my first Hawaiian Ironman, um, I wanted to drop over the finish line. That was my goal. And I go, I go, get there, I finish, and it's like, I could do that again. I, I, cause I, I don't have that. I, I, I have a built-in mechanism that will not push me too, I'm, too sp- far. I'm surprised you haven't been in the lab and <laughs> people haven't <laughs> been doing tests on you and by second I would love you. that. Yeah, I would love that because I, I think there, there is something special there. There yeah. has to be because I, um, yeah. And I did, I did get tested a, a while, uh, quite a long time ago, actually. It was around when I ran the 300 miles without sleep, but you know, what's funny. So Courtney just did, did you see where Courtney just did? No, I, got, I, I felt frustrated for her that she uh, had to stop at 286. I think it was around that. You, was miles. that, was it, was it 286? Because it was around that, so yeah. her, her time was like 68 hours or something. And when I ran 300, but mine was all on a road, but I ran 300 in 73 hours. So it was kind of like similar, you know, and I was telling my yeah. husband, I'm like, wow, I kind of did a good job because she's a way better runner than I am or ever have been. But she's amazing. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but she's ne- the yeah. thing about it is in the backyard and uh, Jason, I'm not going to pronounce his second name properly, Schwab. Um, yeah. I'm going to get scrutinized <laughs> for that. But he was the first person to break 300 miles in the backyard event. And we were saying, okay. you know, can it be done? Can we break the 300 miles? Hold on a second. Pam Reed has already done it. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah. She's done 302 yeah. miles nonstop in how many? 73 hours, was it? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. 73 um, or 74. Yeah. So, so it can be done. There was, this, there was this out there, you know, will it, will it be possible? You know, we talked, I talked many times on the podcast, you know, three or four years ago, you know, all these barriers are breaking down in our minds. Three or four years ago, we were saying like 250, is it possible? Now we're saying is 300 possible. Well, actually, Pam, <laughs> I'd already done the 302 miles nonstop. Well, and you know what? You, I'm sure you've heard of Charlie Engel, right? Well, he and I, back when I did the 300, we talked at length. We were going to do a 500-mile run because it's like we need to do a 500. And and how we wanted to structure it is we could sleep whenever, kind of like the backyard is done, right? But but that is more structured because you, you have it every hour. But the 500 was like you can just go. You can sleep whenever you want. Kind of like isn't that what they do in the race across America on the bike? You you get to sleep whenever you want, but I I know somebody can we can go run 500 miles and and you'd rest when you can. It's like the 240. I mean you know so. Um, but no, how I was that like? Did you get how did you manage with sleep deprivation then? I it was it was fine. It was like I I tried to lay down and I wasn't tired and I'm like I got to get up. So I think totally 
um, it was really cold. And that's the weird thing about the desert. The desert can get crazy, crazy cold. And it's a weird cold. And, you know, I, as I said, I, I, I've been, I've run in negative 30 degrees, negative 30. And, and the cold desert, it's unbelievable. I cannot put my, I don't know why there's gotta be, there's gotta be something to it. I don't know the dryness. I don't know what it is, but, um, heat does make it hard though, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's because you get hot and then you get so cold. I'm not, I don't know. I really don't know, but, um, yeah. Okay. So have you ever, have you ever hallucinated? Oh, (laughs) Give me an example, yeah, Alex. I love I that, mean, those gremlins. Well, I was out. just talking to people about that. I think a lot of people hallucinate, even in a re- regular day. You know, like, um, th- so, so yes, the answer to the question is yes. I was in Arrowhead, and I was on my second night, um, or coming in, and it was it was dark out, um, and it was getting it was dawn, it was dawn, and I'm looking. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Snowmobile riders came and I saw these snowmobiles and I thought, that's cool. They're coming to watch us. And I get up there and it's a tree with snow on it. And then I kept running and then I saw a guy in shorts, which was a tree. you know. And then I saw some houses with a bunch of snow on the top and they were trees. And, you know, and I'm telling my, my brain is saying you're you're just you're hallucinating you're seeing this but everything there's nobody out here and these are just trees <laughs> but yes you happened. enjoy that do you many, laugh many. at yourself yes i know what's going on yes and <laughs> and you know when i did the 300 people were running with me and i was more awake than they were like they were on the middle of the road i said get out of the middle of the road you're going to get hit you know and it was it was so i was more worried about them then it so it was interesting um what, yeah. what about um your mindset then do you find that you are so focused and that it just sort of locks you in that bubble like when i talked about the Ironman zurich for example um it was 36 degrees and i was fine with that you know i got up that morning had done the race see the very next day i got out of the I came out of the apartment and went over to the shop and it was only 32 degrees. I couldn't even walk in the heat. You know, it was just like, yes, yes, I can't even yeah. breathe in this heat. Yeah. How did I race yesterday? And it was 36 degrees. So, you know what? That's it. Yes, that happens. You know, when you do bad water, then you, you know, go take a shower um, and you go to sleep and you get up the next day and it's, it's cooler. It's in the morning and it feels so hot. I definitely know what you mean, but I'll tell you, this is how I deal with the heat and the cold. Both. They're exactly the same. You don't give them power. You don't, don't talk about it. Don't put a number on it. You know, the 36 or the 104, the whatever, don't give it power. You know, you just, you're, you're, you're in it. There's nothing you can do, but keep yourself smart right with with whether it be ice or water or drinking or having enough clothes on you know in the cold um so that's how i've done it and it, it's mm. just it's it's in your mind you've that, got that, to another, just relax there's another key point there don't give it power i like that because right. we all want to moan <laughs> you know yeah. you get somebody and you want to moan but by speaking it and i find this that's hard right. to do as soon as you speak it, it becomes real and you That's give it, right. you give it that power that sort of overwhelms you. If you can hold that back, even if the voice is in your head, just don't speak it and definitely right. don't, don't speak it to somebody else because then it becomes real. Right. <laughs> so I know I've heard, I think I've heard somebody, I think it, um, 
writes something. He was a Navy SEAL or something, and he's a runner now. But that's what he says. Don't give it a voice. So don't give it a voice, you know, and and that's exactly right. And you because it, that's what happens. And then it's and then it becomes like you said, then it becomes real. And sometimes, you know, you, you have you been running with people and like before you run, maybe you had a, a sore knee or an ankle or something, you know, and then they ask you, so how's your ankle? It's like, don't ask, what are you talking about? Like, don't talk about that. That is not an issue here. You know what I mean? Because then it just reminds you about it. That's yeah. what happens. The, the ultra, yeah. I find ultra running to be a very much a journey, as most people do, that learning experience. Because at the beginning, well, uh, when I was a marathon runner, should I say, you know, the amount of people that tell each other their niggles at the start and like, oh, yeah. yeah. How are you feeling today? <laughs> oh, I'm not too bad, yeah. you know, but my hamstring's <laughs> been a bit tight or this. It's just like... <laughs> This wave of stuff, like, but when you move into the ultra running world, you know not even to whisper it. Like, you know you'll be in trouble. You're like, no, 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 I'm fine. Go away. I know. Isn't that funny? That's exactly. You stand at the starting line of a 10K half marathon or marathon, any of those, and they're all, the excuses are flying. They are flying. And and it, that's what's so cool about ultra running because it's just like, no, we know that. You cannot, you don't want to talk about it, but that's funny. Yeah. So what about your recovery then? Because that is like, apart from this huge ball of energy that you've got, <laughs> that doesn't seem to dull down in any way or form. Um, your recovery is pretty unique as well. So we talked earlier, you'd done the Western State, the Hard Rock and Bad Water within a six week period. Um, do you call that a four week period? Because it's like two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. I would call that four yeah. weeks. Like, <laughs> so I would. Oh, oh. But like Hard Rock is... You know, the finishing times in Hard Rock are, you know, it's one of the harder ultra 100 mile races out there. Like how did yes. your body recover from that and get up and not burn out? Well, the story, what happened there was I, um, you know, I, I got in, I got into Western and I was in and I got into Hard Rock in 2015. And so I called Chris um, at Badwater and I said, you know, I don't really want to sign up right now. Do you think there's any way that you could let me in? You know, cause I had, I had done so well at Badwater. So he said, well, if there's room, if somebody drops out, I'll let you in, you know, and I'll, you know, obviously I had to pay. So I, um, I did, I did, you know, I did Western and then I did Hard Rock and at the, the chick, cause I had no crew. I had, I, I had nothing for you Badwater. You did Badwater okay? first. No, no, we did yeah. Western, Hard Rock, and okay. then Badwater. So, but I had no crew for Badwater. And after Hard Rock, we were at the breakfast after the end, and there, there were these people there. And they're like, um, hi. And they had, no, they hadn't. I just met them there. And they introduced themselves, and it was Harold and Susie, and they, they've done a lot of um, crewing and blah, blah, blah. And they say to me, they were going to crew this woman, but she broke her leg for Badwater, and they were available. And I looked at them, and this is what happens. It goes in my head like I'm like, wow, I could actually do Badwater, but I was, I was trashed, okay? And I said, okay, give me six days. I'm going to call you in six days and I'll let you know. So six days later, I called him and I'm like, I'm not ready. Give me another three days. And because then I was, the three days was on a Thursday. Badwater was on Monday. I'd have to leave Saturday. 
to get to get there and 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 meet them on Sunday. And the race was Monday. Um, so I call him up on that Thursday and I'm saying, OK, it's a go. Let's do it. And um, we did it. And they were am- they were amazing crew. I mean, they had the they had it down. And um, that was the first time, you know, we had to start at like 10 o'clock or 11 at night. No, it was the new that new yeah. way. Um, Health and safety has jumped into bad war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it, you know, and it's it's just not the same, unfortunately, and it's just not as hot. But so it's they changed they changed it to eleven, I think, around that time yes. in the evening, so it's cooler start for people. Way cooler, way cooler, a way different race completely, mm. and that's why I think I would like to try it this year when I'm sixty and try to break the sixty record and. Um, I think I could do I, I I I that record should like get crashed even though cuz the, the heat thing it's just not the same it's just not the same but it you know it's still 135 miles and there's still a section where it's really really hot and and the problem with this new way it goes is people run way too fast for the the first 50 miles I mean they're they're booking it you know they're talking 8 minute miles and you can't you know and then you start climbing and then it gets hot and then they crash and burn. So, so that's what's been coming happening. back to the recovery question, and you didn't really answer. How does your body? Oh. <laughs> how does your body recover from doing Western State, and then two weeks later? Because I'm feeling it's like a three month recovery from that, and then two weeks later, gonna do Hard Rock, and it's more your mind you're letting recover than your actual body, well, by the sounds. But yeah, well, you know what? Ever since ever since I started these things, any first of all, the very first hundred, um, I had a you know I had a two year old, so I had to go home and uh, be a mom, you know. So I didn't have any luxury. I'm not taking a nap after running these hundred mile runs. Okay, so so that's for sure what happened for me is I. I never, from the very beginning... Man up, people. Everybody's listening to this. Man up. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. You've only run 100 miles this year. Come on, one. Come on, get over it. (laughs) Well, and that's what I've done. And every time, even when I started doing marathons, I would wake up the next day and I would go run. And it was like, oh my gosh, you barely could walk. And then I started running and I'd go three, four, five miles. And then I'd go back home you know and and so i i had a very active recovery you know and then i would sit in epsom salt and and mentally just say but mostly honestly i think now that you asked me that i think it was that i was a mom and you know at we had four boys and then i had a son when i you know um five years after we were married so when i was 34 i had um my last son and so I just never had the luxury of relaxing after them. So maybe yeah. that's why. So yeah, because your body is an amazing tool. So it adapts mm-hmm. to the situation that you put it into. So if mm-hmm. you do a hundred mile races and in your head, you're going to take a, a month off now, your body adapts to that. It wants a yes. month off after a hundred mile races. So right. another key point coming in there that you mentioned, you know, you get up and you go for a run the next day, no matter how slow or, or, if it's a shuffle, no matter what it is, so you're teaching your body to actually adapt to that hundred miles and keep going, and that's right. really it, isn't it? And when you talk about your children and your kids, and you hadn't had that luxury, you know, keeping going and not that, resting, exactly. your body has adapted and been able to absorb all of that over and over and over again. Right. 
And I think we've seen that and heard that with a lot of people. We talked about Dean Carnaz is very similar as mm-hmm. well. You know, it's one of his um, concepts is really what should you do after you do a big long run? Go for a run the next day, no matter yeah. how tough it is, and your body will adapt to that. And you hear that time and time again with real special people. Um, but it's your, it's your, you're just defining the tool that, that is your body, really, isn't it? Well, yeah, and and you know what else I've done, and I first of all, I'm I'm going on record to say I don't recommend this, but <laughs> I've done it quite I've done it quite often where I'll run a hundred mile run, I'll go and get a pop in the morning, like I've done Zion eight times, and I get I finish the race because I do it on my own. I get in my car and I drive back to Jackson, which is eight hours or nine hours, but I'll stop. I'll, if I my eyes get tired, I'll you know sleep for 20 minutes. I'll get back in the car and I'll keep driving. I just did it two weeks ago. I did 100 in Utah. I took a bath and I got in my car and I drove to Scottsdale. And I'm about to do it on Saturday because I'm going to get on a plane, you know, at 12:45. So I got to finish the race, take a shower, get to the airport, and get on a plane. And uh, so maybe it's a challenge too. But I, it's more that, you know, I'm trying to fit as much in into my work, my life as I can, while I can. Um, but, but also that, that I like to move. I, I want to keep moving. Um, I, the, so my dad, um, my dad was like this minor and he was not, he did not run. He did not exercise. Okay. He swam every day. Like he was in, he was 84 and my mother died of lung cancer cause she was a major smoker. So my dad ends up getting lung cancer who never smoked, but lived with the smoker so anyway when he was diagnosed he said I'm not going to take any chemo he was 84 and he watched my mom go through all that and it was awful anyway I just said dad keep moving and he kept swimming he biked until he couldn't anymore and and it was it was and he just moved his body you know and our bodies are meant to move we're meant to move and the more you move the better it's adapt adapts to it and it moves better if you don't use it, you lose it. It's as simple as that. That's right, <laughs> right? And and if you just sit there, think of what happens. Like right now in this call, I never had to sit for so long. <laughs> and I my, that's when I this get sore. This is a challenge for you. This is a challenge for you. Yes, I don't, I never sit down. Um, I literally, I do not sit down. Like I go, 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 go all day long. So but. you talked about the, t- the plane then, 1245. That's going to be your 98th 100 mile run. So you're aiming mm-hmm. to do 100 mile runs. Out of those which have been, I'm I'm guessing the the bad war obviously and beating Dean Carnazes has to be great, like in coming first <laughs> and beating all of the men. So from an accomplishment point of view, that has to be up there. But what has been your favorite ones, the most enjoyable ones? If you were going to go back, that you would love to do it again. Um, I I love the Zion 100. Um, you know, I've done every one of them that they've had, uh, from the beginning. So that was cool. So I was like the beginning. So I'm at, I'm going on number nine, which I have to mention, um, a very sad thing, but, um, uh, Matt Gunn, um, was the race director. He started it and, um, he just recently passed away. He actually, unfortunately, you know, took his own life, um, not too long ago, but, I, I want, I had to say that because I, and I, I don't know, I think I've been clear on this when in my book, but I have totally suffered from depression and, and Matt was such a good guy. 
I mean, he wore his heart on his, you could just see how important, you know, Matt started, I don't know if you know about his races, but he started Zion 100 and Monument Valley and Grand Canyon. And he, um, he worked with the Navajo Indians and he was really instrumental and he, he did, um, Bryce Canyon and, um, really beautiful, beautiful, beautiful runs. And, uh, so, but he, I, he, he was, you know, I think he took everything to heart and I understand the depression. And I think what he didn't realize, which, um, I wish he would, that how, um, he, he, what he did is recognized by a lot of people. He's touched a lot of people's lives and he just must not have known that, you know what I mean? And, um, it's just, it's just so sad. It's but, just, but it's just a moment in time though, isn't it really? You know, that's, right? that's the thing. Like, and with depression, it is an illness that people yeah, have. Yeah, oh, it's such an and illness. And you can do all of the right things and it can yes. still end up that way, unfortunately. Yep. It's just that moment in time. I know. When that black shadow is over people. Um, yeah. How have you felt that running has helped the depression then? I think I think oh, everybody struggles with depression to a certain level. I think it's there I, with everybody. I agree. I agree. I, I, well, you know, when you're... I am lucky again. I'm blessed that that I'm the kind of depressed person that I can get out and run, and it helps me. Where you know I I I have not um, I've not felt the depression where people say they can't get out of bed. Mm -hmm. I've I've I, I, that has never happened to me because in my height of depression, I just get up and I go run, and it, just it makes releases me feel it. better. So yes. you, you've gotten out. You've got a method of releasing it, like so. Yes. Um, I suppose that's. The sort of roundabout question I was sort of coming to with people who don't run, you know, it's important, even if it's oh. a walk in a wood or yeah. a forest, being outside, it's very innate. That's what your body needs. You talked about oh. moving. Your body's designed <laughs> to move. So if you're not moving. Oh my gosh, my sister, you know, who lost her son. And that's what I said. You got to get out. Just go and walk and move. And then every time she does it, she says how much better she feels. It's amazing being out in fresh air just um, cold, hot, whatever it is, on a trail, on a road, wherever. It just, it feels good. You know, you're moving your body and your body just needs to do that. You it's know, designed, and I, it's I, designed to do that. It's yeah, it's totally, that. exactly. What is it about exactly. Zion that you like so much? And I know I'm stealing all it, your time here, but I'm just enjoying the conversation. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, Zion is like you could take a picture with every step you you take it's unbelievable it's it's just so picturesque you know and and again you know as a runner you you you've, you've kind of let that go sometimes but every corner you take it's just gorgeous and i think there's something in my heart for for the desert i cuz i love the desert and you know moab was the same moab oh my goodness very gorgeous but but zion you know i think it's one of those things that i um how it all happened like i had just done an ironman and um i i hadn't done an ultra in a while and i asked my husband cuz this was like an ironman on on saturday i did we got home on sunday back to jackson and i said when's the next When's, is there a, is there any hundreds out there? And my husband said, Oh, look, there's a Zion 100. It's next, it's next Friday. You know, this was Sunday. And so I called up Matt Gunn and he goes, I said, is there any way I can do the 50 miler? He goes, no, it's full, but you can do the hundred. 
I'm like, okay, I'm there. So I got in my car and I drove there and I did the hundred night. My back was all sunburned from the Ironman the week before, but it was, it was just, it's breathtaking. It's, um, it, there's just part of me. I don't know. I, a little, it's, it's a little gorgeous. bit spiritual just being out in the desert. I think so. I think so. And because I've had friends go there and I'm like, you got to do this. You got to. And there's a lot of slick rock you have to run on. And they're like, oh, that's so hard to run on slick rock. And I, I'm like, you know what? I just I love it. I love I love the diversity of it because you have single track trail. Then you have Jeep trail. Then you have the slick rock. And it's just it's I just love it. I love it. Do, do you find diversity. it hard to say no? <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah you just gotta do them yeah yeah i i would yeah i do not it, it sounds no like you yet. try obviously the older we get um yes. the more we realize we're not here forever and right it sounds like you're trying to squeeze every little bit of life out of the life That's, that you've got you are 100% 100% because I know there's going to be a day that I'm not going to be able to do this and um I got to get it I got to I got to live it when I can you know and um and that's what I'm doing and and um yeah I'm about to go do this Ironman a week late week after this 100 I haven't ridden my bike very much but I I've I've really made myself not go on that Ironman you know where they train swim bike run every day and I even though, even though I get to do quite a bit of that, but you know, not, I'm just not a structured person. Yeah. I'm just kind of all over the place. This, I'm going to put you on the spot here. So can you give me three life lessons that you've learned through ultra running that sort of carry through? The number one would be patience. And I, it's, I struggle with that majorly, but I, I have to remember that patience, patience, patience. Um, and, and that was my mentor, uh, told me you know you have to have patience to do this and you need patience for everything and I just I am so like go 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 I just make some a lot of times way too quick decisions and things come out of my mouth that I don't want to come out of my mouth like especially around my kids and my husband like I'm just so quick to be too fast like I need to slow it down you know patience um I've learned what Okay, Ken, what is his name? The race director of um, Leadville um, would say you, you I've learned that you you can do so much more than you think you can. And and that's you really can. That's really true. And I just I want I want people to know that I want people to to look at um, me. And I guess they think I want that. That's what I want to give them that lesson to have them push themselves because it's the things I've gotten to see, like you said, the, the hallucinations or the, the javelina on the road at, you know, five o'clock in the morning, or I want people to experience that because it's so cool. Um, I just want people to see that it, there, you can do it. You know, you just, um, it's not, it's not as hard as the number sounds, you know, it sounds way bigger than, than what it really is when you break it down you just that so that's the other thing I think I've learned that it's really cool because you can break it down right you don't and 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 honestly I had to learn that when I'm in my depression and that you can look at your house and just break it down because I get overwhelmed by 
like cleaning my house. Sometimes I'm like, it's too big. I can't clean the whole thing. Well, if I just clean one thing at a time, and that's what altar running is one step at a time, one mile at a time, one aid station at a time, you know, it, and then that, it's that's absolutely done. brilliant. Like, because, um, don't look at the staircase as the saying goes, you know, look at the, yeah. the step. Right. Well, and you know, and of course, which happens all the time is you're gonna, you're gonna look at the whole picture. And then, but you got to pull yourself back and say, you know what, just do one at a time. And I, cause I know I've done that. Like in Utah, I had to do 10 loops around this 10 mile thing. And from the get go, I'm like, I cannot do 10 of these. I can. And then I'm like, what am I saying? I can't talk like this. You know? So, you know, you have to, it doesn't, it just doesn't come easily. You have to remind yourself over and over and over that, you just break it down, break it down, break it down. And, um, I mean, I have to do that. I'm deathly afraid of the swim in, in an Ironman and I get in the water. I'm like, I can swim. I'm a good swimmer. I can swim. I'm talking to myself the whole time. I can do this. I know how to swim. I'm a really good swimmer, but it, it's, you know, so you just talk to yourself and you, you take it, um, one step at a time, one stroke at a time. And, um, and, and again, it, it's going to come back. It's, you're going to get overwhelmed, but you got to, get yourself back in it again i apologize for talking about Armand zurich again (laughs) to everybody that's (laughs) listening um i'm gonna have to do another Armand. so (laughs) i'm not talking about Armand zurich but because it was a non-wetsuit swim i'd never swam in without the wetsuit before right but really expensive i called it the batman suit you know i just float with this (laughs) thing like um but i didn't even let it into my head i just thought to myself well i can swim to that boy worst thing is i'll hang on to that get a breath and go to that next boy um and that was my plan in my head but when i got into the water i swam 2.4 miles you know you come out of it and went wow like i've never even swam quarter of a mile without the wetsuit and you've swam the whole now my legs (laughs) my legs were at 45 degrees and was 20 minutes slower um but it still happened good for you we will and i'm the opposite i and i'm gonna have to wear a wetsuit i don't like a wetsuit i do better without the wetsuit um but i the wetsuit what i like about it is the protection for people touching you i just don't want i don't want anybody to touch me don't touch me um but yeah but good for you that's that's huge but you've done a lot of iron man haven't you how many have you done yeah yeah this is going to be 58 yeah you, you raced in hawaii you said there I've done Hawaii, Hawaii eight times. Yeah. So, yeah. And so I'm doing Florida. I've done that like seven times. Um, So, yeah, but, you know, everything's been canceled. So the Ironman has a lot of my money right now. (laughs) Like, I've, you know, $3,000 because I kept signing up and then they got canceled. And and I don't even remember which one I switched from (laughs) where to what. And I got to go. I got to call them. It's like, okay, what what am I doing? (laughs) Yeah, no, I go through that as well. Uh, I don't know what I've signed up for or not signed up for. When are we going right. to see Pam Reed at a backyard event? That's something I'd like to see. Well, yeah, my own backyard or you know what? Um, November 22nd, uh, Jamil Curry, who owns Aravipa Running, he's putting on a backyard event at, it's called in Wickenburg, Arizona, which is about 50 miles from here. And I might do it. It's November 22nd. And he has a 24 hour run, but he also has a 4.1 mile loop. So I think I'd like to try that. I think it, I think it will be good for me. It just, I don't know, you know, I just, I don't know. Uh, But I, my goal there would be, obviously I have to get a hundred miles and that would be number 99. So that, that's my, that's like in the media back of my head. Um, But I, 
I think it would be good for me. That would be a, you know, you just have to get in a rhythm. Because when I ran six days, that was the coolest thing ever. I only slept like two hours a night. And it was, and I bet I didn't even swim, sleep that much, but it was just like a job. Just get up and run and run and run. I loved it. I loved it. And that's what I think what you'd have to do is just figure out what's best for you. Like I was thinking, you know, maybe you just run slower, you know, and just, and just take a drink and then start again for a while, you know, and then I don't know. I, 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 I think it's interesting. I'd love to just try it. I don't know. I have no idea because I've not done it. So just to finish then, 100, 100 miles races, where is number 100? I know. Everybody's asking that. I just don't know. I mean, right now, because, you know, um, again, this Havelina, um, not Havelina, um, it's Aravipa running was going to have a, a run. It was across the years, it's called. And I was going to do that. And that would have been maybe number 99. But now that's canceled. So if I get to do the backyard one and I do 100, that would be 99. And then Arrowhead. Arrowhead is at the end of January. And the cool thing, my sister will be there. And um, so and that's 135 miles. But that would be a big incentive because that that race is it's really hard it's like you know my feet i've gotten trench foot there i've got it's it's a it's just a killer and um so i don't know i but that that might happen and and my sister loves she just loves to be around that atmosphere so that would be fun and we finish and you finish at a at a hotel so you go in and you you know you they check your your stuff and then you go you go right to go to bed <laughs> Pam, we're going to have all eyes on you for 100, 100 oh, mile races. We wish you all the best for that. Um, thanks so much. It's been an exciting podcast from start to finish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yes, hasn't it? And thanks for you know putting up with my my non uh, computer knowledge. No, absolutely <laughs> I can't brilliant. This is like the podcast is bit, gives me a bit of a gift, and it's obviously getting to meet all these amazing people. Especially when you can imagine reading your book and being inspired by your book and understanding the importance of your book coming into that scene and then obviously having you in my house. <laughs> it's quite, oh. you know, it's a special gift to the podcast. That's what keeps me motivated and keeps me driving forward. Like, so I really appreciate your time. And even though we were trying to fix all of those mechanical issues and then I didn't press record for everybody that's listening at the beginning, we had to go back and then we had a guy outside <laughs> with the blower. <laughs> I love the whole experience from start to finish. Yeah. So every every little well, it's gremlin. like an ultra run, right? Yeah. It's exactly like it. you you. And now we're finished, ready. and we've done it. We almost <laughs> put it off till tomorrow, but we didn't. We didn't pull out. We got past that. Yeah, well. yeah, yay! Okay, thanks so much. No, that was brilliant, Pam. I'm gonna put it out on Friday, so I'll send you a link. Okay, thank you so much. All right, thanks, Pam. Have a good night. Oh, okay. Good luck. Can't believe it's taking me so long to get this episode out. I have to apologize to Pam. She is such a superstar. We had to overcome so many issues when recording this episode, but it meant I was gifted with Pam's company for over two and a half hours. What a pioneer. If you haven't already, check out her book, The Extra Mile, and don't forget to check out our Facebook page, Morn Mountain Adventures, along with the Inspirational Runners podcast. That's me back into a weekly cadence. We've got an epic episode for next week. So until then, stay safe and keep on moving.